It's November 2nd, and you're listening to the greatest poker cast on the planet. I'm Scott Long, and Chris Casenza is not here. We are aboard the Antioch Poker Cruise. He's at home uh, trimming bonsai trees or whatever he does when he's not sailing with us. But uh, I have a great guest today, Willie Newman. He's one of Antioch's newest columnists. Uh, he's also sailed on a couple of the Antioch cruises before, so he's got some insight into that. Um, but before we get to that, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, how you got involved in poker. You've been playing for quite a while, haven't you? Well, first, thanks for inviting me, Scott. Yes, I started playing poker when I was five years old, believe it or not. Five years old. My father had a Friday night game, and when it was with a bunch of guys, neighborhood guys, when it was his turn, he would have me watch over his shoulder, told me what he was doing and how he was doing. So I learned how to play poker when I was five years old. When I was about eight years old, he let me sit in while he was going to get drinks or snacks or whatever <laughs> and play his hand. So just like Jennifer Harmon, except years before that probably. Long, <laughs> long, long ago. <laughs> All right, so you, you played when you were eight, five and eight, and then uh, when did you first start playing in casinos? Well, I played a lot of home games, Friday night type of games, nickel, dime, quarter stuff. My first time introduction to a live real casino was at the High Sierra Hotel and Resort in Lake Tahoe. Wow, okay. Back in, I think it was in 83. Back before poker was big at all. They Actually, they had seven-card stud mostly at that okay. time. Later on, I played at Harrah's. We'd go to Vegas, my wife and I, and played at Harrah's. We played 4-8 Hold'em. That's when I first learned to play Hold'em. Okay. That was back in the middle to late 80s. Now, do you still play stud in these other games, or do you play? No, I don't now? find stud exciting enough. I like oh, really? really? I really like playing playing Hold'em. Okay. When the dealer's about to turn that flop over, <laughs> it's like waiting to see your Christmas present. Yeah. Every time, over and over and over again. <laughs> Crazy, I know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, okay, so one of the interesting things about you is you split your time uh, between Arizona and Illinois, correct? Spend about eight months in Illinois and about four months total in Arizona, the winter months, the okay. cold months. Yeah, yeah, smart man. <laughs> There's cold winters up there in near Chicago. Um, sorry, so when you're in uh, Arizona, you, um, you either have been or you still are a prop player, right? This will be my third year as a prop player. Okay. And in case you're wondering what the heck is that, a prop player helps get the games going. And the casino pays me to be a prop player. As an example, let's say you have a table sitting, five guys sitting down waiting to play. And one guy says, well, I'll only play with six players. We've all seen that. Yep. I become the sixth player. I go and make that game. Then when the game is full with nine players, if another guy walks in the room, I give up my seat. He gets that seat. Gotcha. I go to a new table. When two or three more players come in the room, pretty soon we have a second game going. So without me, the first game wouldn't have gotten started in the first place. Right, right. So all we do here on the cruise ship. Well, you're a plot player. Yeah. Plot player. I've noticed that. I just don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so you get paid by the casino, but you are playing with your own money, correct? My money. All right. I win or I lose, it's my money. Yeah. So that's the difference between a shill, where a shill is, which well, almost, plus, I, I can't imagine plus, anybody's does well, shills anymore. Well, there's one more thing, Scott. A shill typically is like incognito. Okay. People don't know that there's a shill uh, in the game gotcha. that the house is has, has him playing, that the house gives them money to get the game going. Gotcha. There's nothing clandestine about this whatsoever. Okay. And the people that I play with at Fort McDowell Casino in Arizona appreciate that there are a couple of prop players there. Sure. 
because that helps get the action going. Right, right. It's such an interesting game because, you know, we've always talked about on the show and other places that for blackjack, you just need a player and a dealer. <laughs> you yeah. can play with one person all day long if you want, but poker, you need at least two plus a dealer. And um, how many times has a game been held up because there's five players and one guy says, well, I won't play with six or six guys. And one guy says, I won't play till we have seven. So I become that extra player. Yeah. All right, so I got a couple more questions about this. So how how do you how did you become a prop player? Did you know the manager there, or I think it was kind of like by default. Okay. <laughs> because the problem with being a prop a prop player, you better be a winning player. Yes. Because you're going to be playing 35 hours a week, whether you like it or not. And not the best games either, right? Actually, you play the games that they tell you to play. Right. Which is okay with me. So we've had. Many times where a player will play, a prop player will get hired and play for two months, six weeks, four weeks, sometimes even two weeks, mm -hmm. and he can't cut it, and he's gone. Yeah. So when there was an opening, I had let it be known, I'd like to be a prop player. Gotcha. It appealed to me. And that was uh, two seasons ago, so I've played for two full seasons. This will be my third season coming up at the end of December. I'll play from end of December through middle of April. All right, so you're playing with your own money. Obviously, you want to win. Um, are you playing your normal game when you're propping, or are you just trying to keep the game going and, I and pump the brakes a little bit? I cannot think of a single reason why I should change. Yep. I still play to win. I mean, that's the objective. Yeah. It'd be silly if I keep on being a prop and keep losing. Right. <laughs> if, that, if that happens, you won't see me anymore. Right, right. Um, okay, so what are some of the adjustments you've had to make as a prop? I mean, you're playing a lot of shorthanded games. You're playing... Um, games that you may want to get out of, but you can't because that's your job to stay in it. So, is it, I, I would think it's made you a better player. Is that correct? I would say it. I would say more focused, and a focused player is probably a better player. So, I would answer your question by saying yes. I think the thing that it's helped me to do, and this is kind of a soft kind of an answer, but it's helped me to try to make the games be more fun for the players in the game. Mm, okay. I used to sit and play and work at winning, didn't talk much, wasn't much part of the discussion. But now I realize that this is what makes the game fun. A lot of players don't come there expecting to win. They like to win, right. but they typically don't win. The average player is not a winning player, as we know, only about 10%, sure. by my reckoning. So if the players who are there can have fun and enjoy themselves, and if I can bring that about to happen, then so much the better for all of us. All right. I like to think of myself not so much as a prop player, but a poker host gotcha. or a poker ambassador who welcomes people into the room, helps them get seated, helps them get their chips, and helps them enjoy the game. Now, you said there's nothing clandestine about uh, what you do. So are you do you identify yourself when you sit down as a prop, or do people playing in the room already Everybody know that you are? Everybody knows I'm a prop player. Okay. There, currently, there are two of us. There's okay. one there right now, and then when I come back, there will be two of us. Okay. And I imagine that's their busier time, too, because you have a lot of snowboards coming down. Exactly. Right. That is their – I'm in there in the, in the prime season. Okay. And what kind of games are you playing there? Are there limit games or no limit or a little bit of everything? They typically play 4-8 hold'em, limit hold'em. Okay. And one of the things I've done goes beyond my job description. I have actually started what I call feature games. Mm. A feature game is where – there's going to be a 4-8 game or a 6-12 game or a 4-8 Omaha game or an Omaha 
a big O game, which is Omaha with five, uh, right. with five cards, at a certain time on a certain day. For example, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we had a big O game that I started. So players know that if they get there on time and they were there last week, they'll be in the game this week. Okay. Same thing with some other games that I've started. I had tried to get a feature game going every day. As opposed to walking in the casino and having one of two things happen. Either there's no seat and you have to wait for who knows how long to get a seat. Or to go into the casino and sit around waiting for a game to start. This is a known factor. Right. Feature games. Nice. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you play in two very different poker markets. So I'm interested. I'm sure some of our listeners that play in some of these markets are interested in what do you think the difference is between the Phoenix market and the Chicago market? That's a really good question. I've thought about that a few times. The Phoenix market, I frankly see more pros and semi-pros. Really? Okay. I find the game, not the 4-8 game. Right, right. But right. I play a lot of 20-40 limit and 8-16 limit. My original game, I was I brought up and learned about limit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so playing no limit is basically new to me in the last few years. I'm still trying to make some adjustments. So when you get a 20-40 uh, game going at, uh, for example, Casino Arizona, they have a 20-40 game going there every day. You've got some tough players there. You've got to be, you've got to be, you've got to have one of the skills which I think I'm pretty good at, which is to assess the quality of the other players. You've got to know who are the good ones, the really good players, the medium ones, and the not-so-good ones. And you also need to know exactly where you fit in. If you don't know that, you're probably not going to be a winning player. In Arizona, we have a lot more really players who are there to win and who are winning players. My 2040 game back in Illinois at Hollywood Casino in Aurora, we play. that's also a feature game which I started on Tuesday and Thursday nights. We have generally have a full game, and we only have basically probably two or three really what I would call really good players. Hmm, okay. The others enjoy the game. We have fun playing. They typically don't win. Gotcha. Hmm. Interesting. So if you're going to ask which game would I rather play, <laughs> I think the answer. I think is we obvious. know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about like the uh, the competition in the two areas. So you mentioned Casino Arizona, which is a um, the dominant room probably in phoenix you sure. say right um and then there's probably what another half a dozen or so in the phoenix area there's that's about right yeah the one i play in fort mcdowell they need prop players because they have 10 tables and typically only have between one and three games going okay so they need someone to help to get the games going casino arizona only have 46 tables and you'll actually find a few times during the week especially if there's a, promo a promotion going like a foot monday night football Thursday night football, they'll have every seat filled in the casino with a waiting list. So wow. they don't need a prop player. Right, exactly. All right, so then back in Illinois, it's an interesting market too because you have um, some of the Chicago land ones. Aurora's a little farther out from that, but. Um, it's still Metro Chicago. Yeah. Um, you have Harris uh, Horseshoe down in Indiana, and you have uh, Hollywood and Joliet. So there are, and then you have uh, one that's becoming pretty popular is the the Grand, uh, Grand and Victoria? Grand, 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 Grand Victoria. The Grand Victoria, Victoria. The yeah. Grand Victoria in Elgin. I don't yeah. play there much. They have their, 
they're smoking over there. Hmm. They have some one two and and two five and five ten uh, uh, no limit games going, and they fill it up pretty good. They've got some good players over there too. Excellent. Um, all right. So do you travel other places as well too? To play or generally you just shuttle back and forth between the two homes? The, probably, yeah, probably 95% of my playing would be in those two places. Okay. Altogether, it comes to about 1,400 hours per year. Wow. Over, over wow. 100 hours per month. How do you keep focused playing that long? Um, I mean, obviously, you've grown up playing it. Um, I, I, I guess the question is a lot of the players coming up now are have problem with the um, attention span, right? Because there's so much going on in the world now that to sit there and play, particularly a, a limit game, um, well, that's a hard funny, to focus. That's a funny thing, and you are far from the first to ask, <laughs> to ask me that question. I look at, at each hand as an exciting new opportunity. Okay. That sounds crazy, I know. Yeah. But I can play for 10 or 11 hours and have as much fun and enjoyment as when I first sat down. Every okay. hand is different. Every hand is unique. And like, like I said, it's an exciting moment when you're holding a, two cards and you're waiting to see the flop, the dealer's getting ready to flop them over, and you wonder, is this going to help me? Yeah. <laughs> is this going to make my hand? Or, may I, or do I have to muck it? So there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of questions and a lot of excitement going on in every hand. All right, so this is probably a good segue into the column that you started writing for us. So you came to us after you went on uh, the first cruise with us and asked to write. And so I think we kind of like asked you to write a little bit different than what we've had some other folks. So talk about your experience writing and what, what you're trying to convey to our readers. That's a very good question. I've thought, I've thought about that a lot. And I think what I have to offer your readers is the fact that I can put into words what I'm thinking about poker. And I think I can have it make sense. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a professional player who right. makes my living player playing poker, which in fact I do not. I supplement. I have a full-time job. I supplement my income by playing poker. In my mind, I'm getting paid to have a fun hobby. Right. That's how I look at it. Yeah. So, that's. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. I th and I think that's an interesting answer to it because, yeah. um, you know, there's the. the Little joke, uh, those who can't teach, right? But um, it, it's not really a joke because there are some people that are very good at explaining a sport or a game or an activity to someone, but may lack the ability to play at that highest level, right? So it, it's no less important. It's just a different skill set, right? So, one of my skills is being able to take what's inside of my head and get it out in words that make sense to the reader. I've written some books and that have been published, so I have some skills in that area. And I have some good ideas about how to win at playing poker, and I want to share them. I know that some of my ideas will not be approved by every single player, but I know that the players who read my articles, my columns, and have given me feedback have told me that some of the ideas that I've given them, they've used, and, they've, and it's helped them. So if I'm helping people, that's great. I think I am. I really have only had one, I really only had one complaint. <laughs> one person wrote to the editor, which is uh, your partner, Chris, and really blasted me pretty good about something I had said. <laughs> and when I read it, I thought, you know what? I can see his point of view. I still thought mine was right. But that's the funny thing about writing about poker. Yeah. 
you can have different points of view about it, and maybe both can be a little bit right in their own way. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point because we, over the years, I've always had people ask me, you know, what poker book should I buy? What? And my answer has always been the person writing that book is teaching you from their frame of mind and how they approach the game and their style of playing. Um, and that may, they may, and they're obviously all very successful. I mean, there's very few poker books written by people that are losing players, right? But, but yeah, but if you don't have the approach to the game that that particular person has, their advice is probably not going to work. So what I always told them to do is find a player, uh, particularly back when, poker was on TV a lot more than it is now. Find a player whose style that you feel fits your game, and that's the person you want to learn from. Because if you're a passive player, the last thing you want to do is learn from a, a really aggressive player. Well, I think if you're if you're a what I would call a critical reader, you can read what three or four different authors have to say about how they play poker and get some good ideas, right. perhaps from each, and maybe reject ones that don't suit you. Right. Uh, is there a poker book that you like? I like um, Barry, or our poker Barry, author, Barry's uh, book, uh, Ace on the River. Yep. I thought he would really got across some good ideas. I had a high, high degree of respect for him, the Robin Hood of poker. Yeah. Uh, all right, so my other question about writing is, uh, which kind of goes back to the whole Doyle Brunson when he wrote Super System, you know, all of his buddies back there are like, why, why are you writing a book? Teaching people to beat us. <laughs> Keep those secrets he, to yourself, I've, right? I've heard that he has said that he sometimes has regretted writing the book, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously your goal is to make players better players, right? And so theoretically you could be helping people beat you at the table, right? So is that a weird thing? No, I don't I don't see it that way. Okay. I like I like helping people, whether it's poker or something else. I do a volunteer work which gives me a lot of satisfaction sure. and it helps others. So I don't look at it that well, way. Well, the other argument, too, with that, I guess, was that, um, you know, if you make players better, now it pushes you to be a better player, too, right? So I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we used to do I, classes I'm, on here. I'm much more focused because now I feel I have a reputation to protect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, let's shift to the cruise here. Uh, this is our, your second cruise with us, right? Third. Third, third cruise with us. Okay. Um, and I believe it was after the first one is when you wrote, uh, wrote us a little review of it uh, that you wanted us to share, uh, which really meant a lot to us. So we appreciated that. Um, and then, you know, these other cruises you come on, I mean, you gave me some very good constructive criticism a couple of days ago, um, and some great suggestions. So, um, for our listeners who haven't been on a cruise yet, explain it from a passenger point of view, rather than what Chris and I can explain from an operator point of view. It's just about the most fun you could possibly have with all your clothes on. <laughs> I don't see what I don't see what could be more fun but to be relaxed on a cruise ship and play our favorite game of poker. I have a job, I work for a living, and there's a lot of stress involved. There's a lot of deadlines to meet, appointments to keep, and sometimes I come home a little frazzled. Poker helps me take my mind off of that. In its own way, it can be hectic and pressure, but it's a fun kind of pressure. I love competition. I love being heads up with someone and trying to find some way to get an edge and beat that person. There's just something special about that. I'm not sure what it is or how to put it in words. No. But when you can take poker and take it on a cruise, 
where everybody's having a good time. Everybody likes everyone. I haven't heard, I've been on this crew now for almost five days. I haven't heard one crossword. I haven't heard one person being upset. Haven't heard any, any arguments. We've all played poker at a table where some yo-yo was making a big fuss and swearing or saying not nice things to others and making the table uncomfortable. There's none of that here. It's just it's just a fun thing to do, and the and the the variety. I mean, nobody can play poker 24 hours a day. Sure. So the variety of taking breaks and going on shore, and taking little side excursions going to visit something historical or something unique or yesterday I went to a beach and laid out in the sun and watched the waves for yeah. four hours and read a book and just a great way to get away and relax so and I intend to come back and do more cruises now have you met people on the cruise that you hadn't known before that you still communicate with or or not I would say no okay um, so in this sailing, you brought your son-in-law and I assume your daughter, right? I never asked. <laughs> Correct. All right. And, uh, how are they enjoying it? Well, my son-in-law, as you can see, is playing poker. Mm -hmm. He's enjoying it a lot. And my daughter always likes cruising. Before we did poker cruises, we probably did 15 or so just cruises right. without poker. And she just loves cruising. There's nothing like it. And it's hard to explain to someone who's never done it. But I would say that everybody should give it a try at least once before they leave this, this mortal coil. And so one of the questions we get from uh, poker players who have spouses or children, obviously they don't play, is how they balance the time on the cruise ship with the family members so everybody's happy. So you've obviously tried to figure that out, right? Have you figured it out? or well, Do you have I an wish, arrangement? I wish this was on camera and that I could show you <laughs> a list of what the ship has for passengers to do <laughs> while you and I are playing poker. Yeah, yeah. My wife has a, a long list of things she can do. There's different types of, yesterday she took a tour of the galley, which is where they cook the food, and saw the systems for feeding 800 people at different dining rooms twice or three or four times a day. It's amazing how they do that. Sure. So she has a ball doing that. They have different types of interest groups. They have a people who play bridge. They have different kinds of association groups. There's many ways to have fun on the cruise. So do you have a, a personal, um, I mean, a, between you and your wife, a agreement on when you're playing or not? Or does she just know, hey, it's a poker cruise. I know Willie's going to be playing. I'm going to find my own fun. Yeah, we have a nice routine. It works out great. She does her thing of the various long list of things you can do on the, on the cruise, all the way from shuffleboard to going to the pool to walking around the track and getting some exercise to going to different exhibits. She does that while I'm playing poker if we aren't in port. Okay. Once you're outside of the whatever three-mile limit, yep. you can legally play poker. So on days when we aren't in port going and seeing things, and we always select a place to go and a fun thing to do, regardless of what port we're in, we scope out the choices ahead of time. Then we'll go and do that for the whole day and come back in time for dinner, then play poker in the evening. And she'll always find something else to do. She likes to go in the casino, which I'm not too fond of that because <laughs> the, the, uh, the payoff is – I don't recommend if you go on a cruise, folks, going in the casino because the payoff to the players is pretty poor. Yeah. So I try to keep her out of the casino. But she'll go in there and play video poker sometimes for a couple bucks and 
Excellent. Of time. All right. So last thing I want to ask you, you, you came on the first cruise because you won it in a promotion at Aurora. Is that correct? I wish I could say oh, yes. Oh, you bought it from someone. Yes, right. There, okay. were, there was a, there was a qualifying tournament. And if you qualified, you played in the tournament, it was a free roll. And the top 10 players won a cruise with Annie F cruises. And I was not one of those 10. So I bought it because when you get 10 winners, there's always maybe, I'll say about four that can't go for different reasons because sure. the spouse is sick or because the job requirements or whatever the reason. So both times that I cruised before with you, it was that situation where I didn't make it, but I bought the cruise from someone else. Excellent. Well, we certainly hope we can get more rooms like Aurora doing those giveaways. This cruise we had uh 10 uh, state rooms from folks from rivers casino up in new york and most of them playing have been having a good time it's been nice meeting them so uh if you're listening and you're playing in your favorite room go ask your manager to give me a call and um we'll tell you how easy we make that uh, process for them and all the uh, promotion we do to help get people into the room to play it um i want to thank willie for joining us today uh thanks for having me excellent and uh, next week, we'll be back with our regular show. We'll be talking about the uh, Antioch Poker Tour up at Pearl River, which is uh, concluding this weekend. I'm on a plane there tomorrow after I get off the cruise ship today. Um, and then uh, join us on a, on a future cruise. So, again, it's AntiochCruises.com. has all the information on upcoming cruises. Our next one will be in February. It's not one for the masses, but it's going to be a fun cruise. It's going to be a 16-night sailing uh, through the Panama Canal from Miami to San Diego. And then in April, we'll be back on the same ship doing the same five-night itinerary from Tampa, except uh, instead of going to Key West, we'll be going to Grand Cayman, but we'll also be going to Cosmo, which is my, one of my favorite ports. And then uh, next August, we'll be doing a four-night cruise out of Port Canaveral to the Bahamas. And then a year from now, we'll do another Halloween cruise. We had a lot of fun on this one with costumes. Uh, Willie had a uh, jester outfit and uh, of course i went to three or four different <laughs> looks myself but next year we'll be doing a halloween cruise again but it'll be an eight-nighter out of uh, fort lauderdale going to the eastern caribbean really really good port stops and a great price for that one so get all the information at andyupcruises.com and uh next week we'll see you again with a regular show with chris is back thank you very much